It is Sports Talk on a Tuesday afternoon from 600 ESPN El Paso. Great to have you with us here today. Filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. My name is Adam Young. On a Tuesday afternoon, Angel Munoz and Jason Craig both producing. You can tweet at us today at 600 ESPN El Paso. And it is a loaded show leading up to El Paso Chihuahuas baseball tonight. 635 first pitch. We're off the air at 630 on Sports Talk. Mario Mocha will kick things off with us today. The NM State Athletics Director, he is also the head coach of the Panamaniacs. We'll talk about the TBT event. We'll talk to Brandon Mason, who's the GM of the Panamaniacs at 420. Ben Wallace, the UTEP Volleyball Head Coach in Studio 445. New Mexico State Volleyball Head Coach Mike Jordan joining us at 520. New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer joining us 545. And then the voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, 620 tonight here on Sports Talk leading up to Chihuahuas baseball. So as you can uh, tell so far, a lot of New Mexico State talk on the show today. We're going to kick things off with the athletics director, Marty Amocha, who is double dipping as the head coach of the Panamaniacs as well. He's going to make his head coaching debut next Monday on ESPNU. Mario joins us from Florida, where he has taken a well-deserved break. A little vacation, Mario. How are things in Florida? You know, Adam, they're going great right now. I hope you can hear me because I'm getting some crosstalk with the uh, the station as well. But uh, they're going great, and I'm monitoring uh, our TBT team, the Panamaniacs, by far. Yeah, the basketball tournament, better known as the TBT, starts next Monday in Albuquerque. You're the head coach. This is your head coaching debut, Mario. How did this all come about for you between you and the GM, Brandon Mason? Well, you know, once again, Brandon Mason called me uh, a couple of months ago, asked me if I'd be involved, and I had a different thought of what the TBT was from attending, you know, like four or five years ago. Uh, and I said yes, and now, uh, you know, as it gets closer and the importance of it, uh, certainly has blossomed, and uh, oh, I wouldn't say I'm regretting my decision, but now I'm thinking about the game an awful lot more than uh, than what I had been a few months ago. You and I talked about this whenever you accepted the opportunity from Brandon Mason, and you talked about the pub for athletics. This is huge for not just New Mexico State University, but for the basketball program for athletics as a whole. You're going to be on ESPNU next Monday night, which is a big deal. Well, you know, uh, and I'm speaking more to Aggie Nation here. You know, I think uh, when you're with the Aggies, you really have to do everything you can for that publicity. Um, You know, I think UTEP is blessed to be in a city with, you know, three-quarters of a million people and have uh, Juarez, Mexico right there. Albuquerque has 750-plus. You know, we've only got 100. So, you know, with no, like, really major media outlets as our home, it's really important, I think, to do everything you can to put the program in a positive light and, uh, you know, from a PR standpoint. Mario Mocha is the NM State Athletics Director. He is also the head coach of the Panamaniacs. The TBT event, which is the winner-takes-all million-dollar event, which actually starts up this weekend, but the Panamaniacs do not debut until next Monday in Albuquerque. So, Mario, you're the head coach. Preston Laird, a former staffer for Marvin Menzies with the Aggies, he is going to be your associate head coach. I take it he will handle X's and O's for you next week. 
Well, you know, he and Billy Keys and uh, uh, Willie Benjamin. I know we have a lot of alums who are going to be involved as assistants. Uh, you know, I did get a, uh, I would label it as a semi-nasty text from Chris Jan. Like, what the blank uh, do you think you're doing being a head basketball coach? So, uh, yeah, I might leave the X's and O's to others. Uh, however, uh, maybe I'll get uh, Coach Jans and, uh, you know, one of my new buddies, Joe Golding, to kind of give me some pointers uh, prior to uh, prior to the game. Well, the folks that are listening, if you know Mario, you know he is all about relationships. And, Mario, you've kept in close contact with a lot of the players who will be participating for the Panamaniacs next week. And I'm sure that's big for you is reconnecting with guys like Zach Lofton, Jonathan Wilkins, Braxton Huggins, Ian Baker, guys who can down the road really help out Aggie men's basketball and Aggie athletics. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Ian Baker, you know, when I first was taking this job, my first day was January the 5th of 2015. I went to the game on January the 3rd. Ian Baker hit a last-second shot to beat UC Irvine. Uh, uh, And you stay in touch with these guys. Jonathan Wilkins is playing overseas and sent me a message on WhatsApp, you know, where you communicate with folks overseas saying, hey, I'm applying for a job. Can I use you as a reference? And I said, well, John, John, of course you can. But um, we have the CBT thing. Are you interested? You know, I was over at Chris Jans's house, and I just mentioned Terrell Brown would be great. You know, from a uh, uh, you know from a ability standpoint, and we call them from the dank pool at Jans's house. So you know, I hope if you're doing your job as an AD, you stay in contact with as many athletic directors, or, or I'm sorry, as many student athletes as possible. And, uh, you know, not just throughout their playing career, but afterwards to, to help them and uh, just to keep in touch with what they're doing. I don't want to dive too deep into the roster with you, Mario, but you're pretty guard heavy. You really need Jonathan Wilkins, who's uh, one of your few post players. Are you a little worried about that next Monday night? Well, you know, look, I mean, it's a game to score on. I, I don't see the Lobos as having major height. I mean, sure, down the road it might, but... The roster's the roster. I know Chile Nepawe, uh, who was playing at one time in China, Ivan Arayokochea, and others, you know, had some visa issues, so it was a little difficult to get some of the bigs in. But we'll roll, you know, anytime you have JY, uh, you have Zach Lofton, who I know just scored 55 in a, in a championship game in Kuwait, Evan Gilliard, who, you know, the listeners are very familiar with, with uh, UTEP and New Mexico State. I think that... Uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to have some guys who can definitely put the ball in the basket, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be able to shoot well that evening. The Panamaniacs will kick off their event next Monday in the pit, 8 p.m. ESPNU. And Mario, we've heard some uh, some rumors from some pretty good sources that you may or may not be mic'd up live on ESPNU during that game. Yeah, that's what I heard too as well. But uh, I tell you what, I, uh, I hope that I'm not mic'd up on ESPN. However, if that's the case, I will, uh, I will uh, do the best I can and make sure that we, uh, you know, that I project, you know, knowing what I'm doing on national TV, uh, just so I make Aggie Nation uh, um, proud, <laughs> to say the least. I love it. Mario Moch is with us. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Mario's main job is athletics director at New Mexico State, and he's been busy recently. The Stuff the Stadium campaign, Mario, that's for the football season opener August 27th. That is a week zero game against Nevada. Your vision, Mario, behind Stuff the Stadium, what you're hoping to fill there in uh, Aggie Memorial in a couple of months. Yeah, no, it's a huge game for us opening up against Nevada, you know, a really good Mountain West Conference opponent. Uh, we've done this. Remember in 2015, we did a stuff to the stadium. We opened up with 27,000 people in the stands. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do is get a great crowd to kind of introduce Jerry Kill, not that he hasn't done that already, to New Mexico. And uh, we're really excited. Hopefully, you know, that game might end up on national television. We're working on that. But, yeah, we're really, really excited about that. I mean, tickets, if you buy 20 or more, you can get tickets for $5 or $10, depending on where you want to sit. And I'm super excited that, um, uh, you know, we've already sold, you know, personally a a little over 9,000 tickets, you know, plus the students. You know, plus our season ticket base, plus what you're giving in Nevada, you know, we're well on our way to uh, to having a tremendous crowd and hopefully ultimately selling all, you know, 29, 30,000 tickets um, before, um, you know, before that ball game. And what's interesting, you know, UTEP is playing that same night. I know they have a big promotion as well. Uh, you know, it's zero weeks, so they got a waiver from the NCA when Conference USA moves. So it'll be a very unique uh day of football in the borderland where both schools you know hopefully have you know 80 90,000 football fans in attendance just 30 miles away I know you don't want to put too much pressure Mario on one game but do you feel like August 27th kind of sets the tone for the Jerry Kill era Well you know look certainly we had all our eggs in that basket uh at uh in 2015 and, um, you know, we lost that game. I want to say it was like 35-32. So that was disappointing. However, look, one game doesn't define any season. But certainly when you have a game like this, you know, if you could get a win, it would certainly uh, be a jolt, you know, to the fan base because playing a really good Mountain West Conference team, um, you know, especially Jerry Kill's first uh, game, uh, who's the eighth most winningest coach in all of college football uh, that's active. Yeah, it would be a great shot in the arm for Aggie Nation. So, you know, we'll do what we can. We'll sell as many tickets as we can, and the coach will get him as prepared as he can, and we'll see what happens. NM State Athletics Director Marty Amocha with us. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in here today for Steve Kaplowitz. Mario, it's been a busy offseason for you. You've hired a football coach, a men's basketball coach, a women's basketball coach. Have you ever had to do that, those three, in a four-month stretch in your career? I don't know. You know, one time at Southern Illinois, we had a football coach. I've hired both men's and women's coaches uh, in the past simultaneously. But I tell you what, doing it, uh, you know, we did that with Jans and with Brooke. Uh, in 2017, but it's not something I wish on anybody because it does take an enormous amount of your time, especially if you don't use a search firm and you're really focused on, um, you know, getting, you know, putting all your eggs in that basket because you can't swing and miss. You know, and at New Mexico State, you can't really hit a double. You kind of have to hit a home run. And uh, we've managed to do that with Coach Jans, certainly even with Coach Weir, who won 28 games. 
three and one in the rivalry games and beat Arizona State, and you certainly hope that Greg Heyer will do the same thing with men's basketball, and I'm very confident that Jody will do the same thing with women's basketball. I mean, she's won multiple conference championships at the Missouri Valley uh, with uh, Wichita State and 185 wins as a Division One coach and played for Pat Summit. So I'm very confident that, uh, you know, we, we lucked out, had some good hires, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, win some, uh, win some ball games this year. Mario, let's finish with this. Some news out of the WAC yesterday, and you only have one year left in the WAC before you move to Conference USA with UTEP. Conference tournament seeding for basketball is going to be based off Ken Palm formula, the net, and reward teams for winning against tougher schedules, not WAC standings for tournament seeding starting next year. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I can. You know, we were informed of that. You know, it's ironic. We have a great relationship with the WAC, but we don't get to vote anymore because we're outgoing. So this has kind of been dictated to us. Now, I will say when I saw what our number was last year in comparison to the schools, we were a good three points higher, which is significant, than like Grand Canyon so uh, and um, Stephen F. Austin. So, look, we've always played an aggressive schedule. We've been very fortunate to win a lot of games. However, um, yeah, it's going to be new, and, you know, while it's been – told us and we didn't get a chance to vote uh i think it's okay you know it's great to try it um you know we've got a lot of changes where incarnate word and now uh lamar are going to leave immediately so the whack which was 13 last year was going to be 15 this year is now back to 13 i was actually communicating with um uh the commissioner today remotely and uh i think it's going to be great the whack's getting better and hell, playing a really good whack schedule, quite frankly, helped us get a 12 seed and then upset uh, the Yukon Huskies and almost uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I think it's going to be okay. It's going to be interesting for the fans. And we'll see if other conferences look to replicate that, depending on how it goes. We have your GM, Brandon Mason, our next. Anything you want to pass along to, to B. Mace? Uh, you know what? He's done a phenomenal job so far. So... Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to do the best job I can as head coach, but I will uh, I anxiously look forward to it. Let's just say that. I love it, Mario. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your vacation in Florida. All right, thanks, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, doing a nice job spelling for Cap. Yes, Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. That is Mario Mocha, the athletics director at New Mexico State. He is also. The head coach of the Panamaniacs, that TBT event, kicks off next Monday in Albuquerque. When we come back, we're going to talk to the GM, Brandon Mason, former Aggie, played for Lou Henson. He is the GM of two teams, and those two teams are playing next Monday. So an interesting wrinkle for Brandon Mason. He'll join us next after Charlie won with his traffic update on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Thank you for joining us here today. Big thanks to NM State Athletics Director Marty Omocha for joining us. Brandon Mason coming up next. And then at 445, we're going to have UTEP Volleyball Head Coach Ben Wallace in studio. And he has done a fantastic job with the Miners program. 24 wins last year. They're starting a beach volleyball in the spring, so we'll talk to Ben Wallace about that and much more. New Mexico State veteran volleyball head coach Mike Jordan at 520. NM State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer at 545. And then 
Chihuahuas broadcaster Tim Haggerty at 6.20 leading up to Chihuahuas baseball here on 600 ESPN El Paso starting tonight, 6.35 first pitch, pregame coverage at 6.30 as the Chihuahuas open up a six-game homestand against the Round Rock Express. Well, we were talking with Mario Mocha about the TBT, and for the folks that are listening and have no clue what the TBT is, it is an open application single elimination tournament played each summer in the U.S., and I highly, highly recommend it. It airs on ESPN, 64 teams this year. It's a winner-takes-all, million-dollar event. If you win the whole tournament, you win a million If you get second, you get nothing. And it is some really, really good basketball around the country. Last year, the Lobo alumni in New Mexico had a team. This year, New Mexico State has an alumni team. And the GM for both this year is Brandon Mason, who played for Lou Henson with the Aggies back in the day. And he is kind enough to join us here today. B. Mace, how are things in Albuquerque? It's going really well. It's going really well, just... uh... Happy to be doing this for my uh, for my Aggie team. It's rolling. It's very exciting. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's less than a week away from uh, the debut in Albuquerque. Albuquerque is going to host a regional this year. But my biggest question, Brandon, is how the heck can you be the GM of both, and what are you going to be like next Monday night in the pit as your two teams match up on the floor in the pit to kick off the tournament? That is so funny. That is the question I get probably a hundred times a day. Uh, at the end of the day, man, my heart, my soul, and everything. I'm an Aggie. Uh, I was, you know, Lou Henson brought me to be an Aggie. I love being. One day I'll retire and live in Las Cruces, you know. And so at the end, I just want to see some success there. And and with, you know, with what Mario Mocha and you know has done with all the programs there at New Mexico State try to piggyback that with a TBT run would be amazing. Brandon, it says open application, but I have to think this is a pretty long process to get a team into the TBT event. What's that process like, first off? And then secondly, how do you get a regional? Because you were a big part of Albuquerque hosting this year. Yeah, no, so... I was I got a lot of experience putting the enchantment team together last year. We were able to get a lot of fan support, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I was able to put an alumni game together in the pit last year that had a solid turnout. After I, you know, was able to do that, I was in chats with the TBT and told them about the the uh, alumni, the, the Battle of the Rio Grande I put together back when we had uh, Jonathan Gibson, Wendell McKinnis. Uh, and, and Justin Hawkins, guys like that came back um, to play for the Aggies and play against the Lobos in the pit, and the turnout was like we had about six or 7,000. It was a really good event. Mario Mocha came and supported that event. Um, and so once I told the TBT about that, they got their wheels spinning. Um, and so, you know, their, their mind started running. They asked me to put them in contact with UNM. UNM was uh, on board as well. And so everything started to roll pretty good. And then I got some good uh, rapport with some former players, you know, after playing there and also coaching there. And I reached out to Preston Laird and Keith Roberts, William Benjamin, um, just Billy Keys, a bunch of those former guys. And I was able to put this thing together, and it just started rolling on its own. Brandon, I was at that alumni game June 2016. I couldn't believe it. I mean, there was nothing on the line money-wise. And like you said, there was around (laughs) 7,000 people in the pit. 
quite frankly, to watch some 40-year-olds scrimmage, right? I mean, this this exactly. is different now because there is money on the line. If you win the whole thing, you get a million. A lot of these guys are pros. I've seen Twitter videos from the Enchantment Group. They've been practicing for a couple of weeks. You've been watching it. So this is a big yeah. deal, and there's a lot on the line this time around. Yeah, you know, it's uh, to everyone else maybe uh, in the basketball you know, fan world, they're like, oh, this is cool. It's just like another alumni game. But the players are not taking it like that. They understand how important the game is, and they're coming back to play because you have a chance to win a million dollars. You know, last time we did the alumni game, it was just something for the fans, and, you know, there was nothing after that. But this is actually on ESPNU. It's going to be uh, – It's, I mean, the emotions, and it's, it's going to be like a real rivalry game. I have no doubt about it. So I'm excited to be a part of it and, and, and see this grow and see it come back year to year. So that's why we need to keep pushing it and get those fans in there to support it. Brandon Mason with us here on Sports Talk. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz here on 600 ESPN El Paso. So roster-wise, Brandon, what can we expect next Monday night? I know Zach Lofton's kind of the key piece for the Aggies, right? Would you say J.R. Giddens is the key piece right now for the enchantment? Yeah, J.R. Giddens, you know, after his performance last year, I think he had 18 points and eight rebounds in 21 minutes. So he is a really big piece. But they also have two of the elite shooters, Scott Banford, that plays at the highest level overseas. He was Dame Lillard's teammate uh, at Weber State. And Anthony Mathis, who's in the G League right now, and Drew Gordon. They have a solid lineup of guys and some really good support group of guys. But one thing about those Aggies, they 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 just know that they are dogs and they have a chip on their shoulder and they're going to go take something all the time. That's just like that Aggie pride right there. So, I mean, of course, everybody knows Zach Lofton is a walking 30-piece whenever he wants to be. Um, and then you have a lot of other great pieces um, and then the late addition with Jamar Young, J.Y., if he's a glimpse of himself, they're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you got Ian Big Shot Baker, who's phenomenal. Uh, Justin Hawkins, who's going to be a leader. Big B.J. West. Like, I mean, it's I'm excited just talking about it. I just got some goosebumps. But I don't want to take the credit for putting this team together because Mario tried to take my GM tag after he came on as the head coach. And he started controlling the roster. And I just – turned it over to him, so Mario's the brains all of a sudden, so I love it. <laughs> well, he still wants Jamario Jones, so if you can pull that off before next Monday, that would be uh, that would make Mario's year, I think, because he's still looking for J.J. to, to fill out the Panamaniacs. Uh, I know it's hard, Brandon, uh, with guys playing internationally, because it seems like from day one when you release the initial roster, it's been really fluid. How hard has that been? really from both sides, trying to get back some of the guys who are playing internationally right now and get them back in the U.S.? Yeah, that's that's a, a difficult piece because we have some guys overseas that that were committed and wanted to come, but we couldn't get the visa situation for them to come over. And, you know, they were like, dang, they, they really wanted to come and be a part of it. And then there's another piece as well for, you know, the American guys that are playing professional basketball overseas or trying to get that next contract. And, you know, they have some agents that say, you know, maybe you shouldn't play or they have their reasons or what have you. So you just kind of jump through hoops and work around different things and and hopefully come together and work it out at the last minute. Um, But, you know, we've had some success. And, you know, I think we'll have a a solid first year 
uh, with names and attendance and different things we're trying to do. The interesting piece to this is the players have to pay their own way. They have to get there on their own. They do not get paid unless they win the whole thing. So I know you guys are doing some things behind the scenes right now, Brandon, as far as a GoFundMe page, trying to raise some money to uh, help offset expenses, correct? Yes, exactly. So, you know, I haven't been able to set up a lot of stuff to get the, the, the Panamaniacs rolling to offset a lot of that cost, and that's why we put the GoFundMe out there. And we've been getting some nice hits and some things to, to help us support, uh, like the travel costs, the hotels, and, and different things that we have to pay for training camp and, and, and up, up here in Albuquerque as well. We've had a lot of support in the community, um, you know, with meals and, and, and different things. Um, you know, Coach Mario Mocha, and we've had a lot of help, you know, just people getting behind it to help us you know, in this first year and get it rolling. And then hopefully after that, we'll be able to, to build on it so guys don't have to pay for their own flights and they don't have to, you know, get themselves different places. So um, it's it's a work in progress and it's year one. And trust me, it, it'll steamroll and it'll get better and better. Well, I said earlier, this is must-see TV. And this was founded in 2014, the TBT that is. So it's been going on for a handful of years and it's aired on ESPN, I think, from the start. So the exposure is really good. My wife and I, each year, try to watch as many of these games as possible. And now, you know, it's going to be cool to see the Panamaniacs on there as well next Monday. But exposure-wise, Brandon, is that the big selling piece to get the players to play in this? Is, hey, you're going to be on ESPN, and this could lead to something more for you down the road? Yeah, I mean, definitely the exposure piece and the opportunity after, and of course the million-dollar prize. You know, we don't want to leave that out. Um, but last year, the guy that hit the game-winning shot got instantly picked up by the Indiana Pacers. Um, we lost in the first round and played on ESPN last year, and three of our players got calls and offers right after the game hmm. when we were on the bus. And I was like, that's exposure at its best. You know, so, I mean, you can't really, you know, put a, a price on that. You just have to say, hey, go out, give a good showing, and if you can win that first game, get to the next and have another game on ESPN. There's nothing like film from ESPN on high-level basketball with an NCAA field against other pros. And, I mean, you can sell that to any agent, any team, and it's just it's just great opportunity to have something like that in, in a July setting. Brandon Mason with us here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Former Aggie men's basketball star, He's also the GM of the Panamaniacs for the upcoming TBT event next Monday night, ESPNU. The Aggie alums and the Lobo alums, 8 p.m. on ESPNU. And the players, Brandon, are starting to trickle in later this week for the Aggie alumni. They will have a public event at the Pan American Center to watch an open practice at 4.30 on Saturday. More information to follow. You can go to nmstatesports.com, also the NM State Aggies social media pages. So folks in the area who want to watch some pros scrimmage, practice, and they're also going to have a three-point shootout contest. That's going to be Saturday late afternoon, correct? Yes, it will be. It'll be exciting and to see who whoever can win that to take on that uh, three-point title for uh, the TBT tournament, which pays $33,000, is, uh, is pretty cool. So that's an interesting piece, too, because each team gets one player, correct, to compete in the three-point yep. shootout. And what you guys are going to do Saturday in front of the fans is actually have a three-point shootout competition 
to see who goes from the Panamaniacs. Exactly. So it'll be a replicate of exactly what's going to take place for the TBT competition, and they'll have that shoot-off. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a chance to win. I think it's $33,333. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? I'm going with Evan Gilliard, the former Aggie and former minor. That, that's my guy to, uh, to win it for the Panamaniacs. I like it, but you know, I, I'm a, just because I sat on the bench with this guy. Braxton Huggins can shoot mm-hmm. the ball at a high level, so I mean, I, I don't. Want, I'm not going to choose a name or pick against anybody, but I just wanted to throw another name out there as well. Brandon, you could play back in the day as well. You played in a lot of Aggie Miners games, a lot of Aggie Lobos games, 1,000-point score, great player under Lou Henson, late 90s, early 2000s. Do you have some favorite memories of Aggies and Lobos and also Aggies and Miners here in this area? I I do have a few. I don't want to rain on on the Lobos parade, but we always bring this one up. When, When Reuben Douglas came down, to the Pan American Center, we were down by one point with uh, with maybe like 20, 30 seconds left. And I went for Lou Henson told me, you got to get a steal, if not foul. And I sure enough went for the steal, passed it to Jason Fontenet. He laid the ball in. We went up one, and they threw it out. Game was over. And I'll never forget that moment. And we, you know, me and Ruben Douglas laugh about it all the time. So that's a, a, a big memory for me. Players always say that when you play the Miners or when you play the Lobos, if you're an Aggie, it meant a little bit more. Did it always mean more to you, Brandon? Oh, yeah, 100%. It didn't matter what your record was at any given time. When you played those four games, it could change the whole season. It could revive the season, and you went into it like your record was 0-0 and you wanted to start 2-0 and or 1-0 and whatever it was. It just meant the most, and it meant the most to the community, to, to our team, staff, everything. And it was the most talked about thing as well. All right, Brandon. Lastly, as the GM of both, what do you wear to this on Monday night? Do you wear crimson? Do you wear cherry? Do you stay neutral? How do you handle Monday night? You know what? I don't want to give it away, but I'm coming up with a really good idea right now. And so I just don't want to let it out of the bag. But I'm definitely going to somehow cheer for both. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but... I'll figure it out. I'll be in full support mode, and I will not be sitting on a bench. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) We have your buddy coming in studio next, Ben Wallace, who uh, you went to college with right at New Mexico State. What a job he's done as the head coach of Utah Volleyball. Do you follow that closely because of Ben? I follow it on Twitter all the time, and he was one of my best friends in college. I mean, he's a phenomenal human being, uh, and it's just amazing to see him work and to see his – you know, his process, you know, of just, you know, turning the program and winning and developing young ladies and everything he's been able to do. He's a good teacher, a good person, a good man, and I'm just, you know, happy and supportive of everything that he's doing. Well, I know he'll say the same about you too, Brandon. You've done a great job up in Albuquerque with your academy and uh, look forward to seeing you, I guess, this weekend. If not this weekend, then I'll see you Monday in the pit, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's Panamaniacs GM Brandon Mason with us here on Sports Talk today on 600 ESPN El Paso. Once again, that's the TBT event, the million-dollar winner-takes-all event that starts next Monday in Albuquerque. It's actually going to start this weekend around the country, but the Albuquerque Regional will debut next Monday. Aggies and Lobos, a rivalry game, 8 p.m. next Monday 
It will also air on ESPNU. When we come back on Sports Talk, we'll have Ben Wallace in studio, the UTEP volleyball head coach. He's coaching indoor. He is also coaching beach now as well. Beach volleyball is coming to El Paso and the UTEP minor starting in the spring. So a lot to talk about with Ben Wallace as we continue after this. It's Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. We're back with you. Sports Talk here on a Tuesday on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz, Angel Munoz, and Jason Craig producing today. Our Twitter handle is at 600 ESPN El Paso. The El Paso Chihuahuas start up a six-game homestand tonight at Southwest University Park. First pitch at 635 against Round Rock. The final homestand in the final series before the All-Star break. Also the final series in the month of July at home as well. The Chihuahuas will have nine road games to kick off post-All-Star break play in a couple of weeks. So final chance this week to see the Chihuahuas at home. A six-game series starts tonight against the Round Rock Express over at Southwest University Park. Hope to see you out there today at the ballpark. Big thanks to Mario Mocha and Brandon Mason for joining us. We will have UTEP volleyball head coach Ben Wallace in studio here in a little bit. We'll also talk to New Mexico State volleyball head coach Mike Jordan, New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer, and then the voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, will join us from the ballpark right around 6.20 today. And we wanted to get Ben Wallace in studio because he has done a marvelous job in El Paso. He's about to enter his fourth year. And he has absolutely flipped that program. They were struggling mightily when he took over. 24 wins last year. And Ben has done it during a pandemic as well to get the program to the point now where it's contending for championships in the Conference USA and also NCAA tournament bids each and every year. Still trying to break through with that first NCAA tournament bid. But so far, so good with Ben Wallace at the helm of UTEP Volleyball and They're actually starting a beach as well, starting in the spring. So UTEP Volleyball is in good hands with Ben Wallace and a very bright future ahead with beach volleyball coming to UTEP as well. And that's going to be huge. There's a lot of programs that are starting beach around the country right now. In fact, as of a couple weeks ago, there were 70 Division I programs around the country with beach volleyball, including UTEP. So uh, this is a big deal. It's a big addition for the UTEP Miners, and Ben Wallace now pulls double duty, indoor and beach. He will be the head coach of both, and he will join us here in a little bit on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Then we'll have Mike Jordan on at 520, and Greg Heyer will join us at 545 before the voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, from the ballpark at 620. So it's been fun to watch, and I got to know Ben when I was broadcasting New Mexico State Volleyball, and Ben was the associate head coach. And you could tell then that he was going to be a great head coach one day. And boy, as he turned around Utah Volleyball, Ben Wallace joins us from the studio. Coach, good to see you. Great to see you, brother. Always a pleasure, man. I enjoy uh, not only being on this show, but I enjoy getting to hang with my man. Your your hair hasn't come back, though. I'm still bald. It's it's not coming back anytime (laughs) soon. If only I could have your hair. Oh. Man, What's I, the trick? The trick is just good genes, my man. There's nothing nothing that I've done uh, living my life that's allowed for me to keep it. It's been fun to watch. Uh, your growth uh, as a coach and now taking over this UTEP program. And 
I was just talking about your praises because when you took over, it was struggling. And then 24 wins last year, and now you're competing in the Conference USA for championships, competing for NCAA tournament berths. How have you done it the last couple of years here in El Paso? Well, uh, I think initially we attacked the roster pretty quickly. Um, in the first year, we, you know, I was just talking to a couple of my veterans that are potentially on the way out of our program that are going to be graduating and, and moving on. One of them is going to play the indoor season for us, and then she's going to go over to the beach side, which we'll mm-hmm. be starting this year, which is kind of cool. Um, we were just kind of commiserating about how bad things were when we took over in 19. But, um, you know, getting the right athletes here was a big deal. In, in t- 2019, when we took the program over, there was probably two kids on the roster, two players that could touch over 10 feet. And I think on this roster now, we have 20 players in, on this roster in the fall. We'll have 10. Mm. They can jump up and grab the rim, touch the rim, maybe even hang on it with two hands. So that's, a, that's the biggest part was attacking the athleticism. And then I think in year two in 2020, when we were really starting to kind of make some moves before COVID shut a lot of stuff down, we started attacking the people mm-hmm. and making our people better. You know, we, we had some people leave our program that were pretty good volleyball players that we actually got better because of. And so now we've got really good people, really good athletes, and now we have a culture that uh, when people show up on campus in July, they know that we're competing for championships. And so you better get your crap together. When you took the job, Ben, did you have a timeline? Okay, I need to get to the NCAA tournament by this year. I need to win 20-plus matches by this year. Were you thinking about that back then? Absolutely. I mean, I, I sent that – I brought that with me in my interview process with um, Jim and Julie, and I said, look, here's where we want to go. You know, by year two, I want to be I, – I, I thought we could get – I thought we could triple our win total in the first year, and we did. We, we tripled it and then added a couple more wins on it. Year two, we were well on our way to getting 20 wins in the second year until COVID shut us down. Um, and in, by year three, I wanted to have 20 wins, and I wanted to be in a place where we were in the top 100 RPI-wise. And we actually jumped into the top 50 in year three, which is pretty cool. So we exceeded some of those goals, but we hit a lot of them just based on a lot of the things that I learned from working with Mike. You know, like the way you treat people, the way you coach them. Give me a bunch of athletes, and, and we'll figure out the volleyball stuff. But the stuff I'm most proud of, Adam, about what we've done here is that we're number one in attendance in the, mm-hmm. in the conference, that we have people on our, in our roster, on our team, in our program that care about, you know, reaching out to the community and shaking hands and hugging babies and kissing necks, you know what I mean? And so the people of the city of El Paso coming out and watching us play and cheering us on and really loving to watch volleyball is so much more important to me than where we're going win-wise. But – when you put it hand-in-hand, hand, it's going to be special, I think, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like this year. UTEP Volleyball Head Coach Ben Wallace with us in studio. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. You came here a lot, our New Mexico State staff. Did you think back then, okay, if, if the right person takes over this job, this could be a big-time winner here in El Paso because the fans are ready to support this program? Yeah, I think, you know, Every, Mike and I talked about it a lot. You know, Ash Hardy, who used to coach with us, and you weren't around for Ash. Mm. Um, he was here just before you got here. He went and, and was very successful at the University of North Dakota. Won a couple of conference championships, won a couple of Coach of the Year awards while he was there. He applied for this job back in, I don't know, must have been 2012, 2013, whenever they, uh, when they hired um, Holly Watts. And they didn't even give him an interview. Mm. Now, that was a different administration then. And so... Um, you know, Ash is and was a really good volleyball coach, and they didn't give him a shot back then. But we all, all of us up there in Las Cruces, always would talk about how we thought that El Paso could be a really good place and a destination for, for good volleyball. 
So um, I was reluctant at first when we when we first um, knew we were going to come down and interview. But once I got down here and got a feel for the administration and where they wanted to go and talking to Jim and Julie, seeing what the rest of the conference looked like, which was really good. It still is. a really tough conference. I was excited about coming down and doing it. And I felt like we could win here quickly. And, and my assistant, uh, Nick, who's been with me the whole time, we talked about putting together a model where if we got a couple of international kids and mm-hmm. mixed them in with some transfer kids, and I thought we could win pretty quickly, and he's really helped me do a lot of that. Week two last year, and I got to see this firsthand, you beat Arizona, Northwestern, and New Mexico State in a 24-hour stretch. Was that a program-changing weekend for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are things that don't happen every year, you know, and – um, you know, the expectation for my program right now, when even in the spring, I had to kind of remind them at times, guys, we're not trying to outdo 2021. We're not trying to be better than we were in 2021. We're just trying to continue to, to win each year and show progress and show growth and show, um, you know, winning culture means that you're chasing 20 wins every year. Winning culture means you're going to give yourself a chance to win the conference championship every year. Not that you have this flash in the pan 24 win season and then like the rest of your time you're just boring you know so to them I'm like guys don't keep thinking about let's be better than last year let's just keep thinking about how are we going to beat the teams in front of us in November to win the conference championship that's all you should think about win 20 matches is what you should think about like that's the goal every year like that's the testament of a good volleyball program if you can win 20 matches then you're going to give yourself a chance to win at the end of the year so the expectations are (laughs) higher now um, but that weekend really just showed a lot, like probably three years of hard work, you know, because that's what I was pitching to them for three years was like, we're going to play these teams down the road. And this, if you want to be great and you want to get into the NCAA tournament, if we can't knock off Rice and Western Kentucky, that's why I preached all last year, then you need to knock off Northwestern and New Mexico State and Arizona. And we built another schedule like that this year, you know, where we almost got into the NCAA tournament because of our RPI. And beating those three teams that weekend was a – was such a change in momentum for our program to realize we can do this and we're going to keep doing it, you know? I've heard a lot of head coaches say it's one thing to build up a program to get 24 wins one year, but it's harder to consistently do that. Is that your mindset as well? Absolutely, and that's why I keep telling even my assistants. I mean, you know, Nick is such a a grinder, and, you know, he's wanting to – constantly think like how can we get into the top 30 how can we get into the top 25 and I'm like Mick look what we got to continue to do is shoot for winning 20 matches every year and give yourself a chance to win the conference tournament Mm -hmm. because that was a special team last year we bring a lot of them back but if you're not careful then you try to like replicate what happened last year which is not the goal the goal is to figure out what you have right now and the young people you have and figure out how we're going to play a different style of volleyball or how we're going to have a different uh, group of leaders. And don't don't keep looking back backwards because that's never going to help you move forwards. You know, so um, it, it is. It's about recreating um, a, an environment similar to what we had last year where, mm-hmm. the, where the competition is high, where the expectation is high, where the challenge is high, but that you're not searching for 24 wins or 25 to beat last year's record. All you're trying to do is beat Western Kentucky and Rice that are standing <laughs> in front of you. You want to be the last person standing in November to hold that Conference USA championship trophy, and that will that will be a better season than last year because we didn't do that last year. We didn't win the Conference championship. So that right there, even if we won 15 games this year, as long as we're standing there with the Conference championship trophy in our hands, it's going to be a better season. 
UTEP Volleyball head coach Ben Wallace with us in studio for a couple of segments here today as we conclude our first hour here on Sports Talk. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. Interesting movement right now with UTEP because they're going to add beach volleyball. And I want to talk to Ben about that as they work right now, go through that process of starting up beach starting in the spring of 2023. UTEP Volleyball head coach Ben Wallace with us in studio. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour number two of Sports Talk. Adam Young in for Steve Kaplowitz here today. Thanks for joining us. Our Twitter handle is at 600 ESPN El Paso. We have Ben Wallace in studio, the UTEP volleyball head coach, pulling double duty now, indoor <laughs> and beach. And, Coach, it's been a busy off season for you, a well-deserved contract extension. Congrats on that. And then they announced in January that beach volleyball is coming to UTEP, 17th sport, starting in the spring of 2023. And you're going to be the head coach of both. How tough will that be? Are you already starting to realize how tough it is so far? Yeah, I realized how tough it was in January when they announced it and everybody had all these questions (laughs) and I had to answer them, you know. Uh, Everybody has these questions that I don't even know the answer to yet because we're you know, we're, we're really solving a lot of um, the problems and answering a lot of the questions and doing a lot of the, the legwork. We uh, hired a beach-only associate head coach in Daniel Fu is his name. He's a Albuquerque guy. He's done a great job up there. I've gotten some pretty nasty, funny phone calls from Albuquerque people that are mad at me that, that mm. I've taken him out of Albuquerque and brought him down here. Um, just a dad this weekend in our camp was throwing stuff at me from the stands, and he was like, you can't take Daniel, you know, <laughs> and he was being great about it. He was being funny, but we're, we're, we're really uh, lucky to get Daniel down here from Albuquerque, and his family just bought a house up by, uh, by Franklin, by us, and so they're going to get here in about a week, and uh, he's going to do a really good job, and, he, and it's helpful to have him be able to really just focus on the beach side of things because I'm, you know, when August comes – um, right now I'm focused on both, but when August comes, my job is to focus predominantly on the indoor side of things, and that's where Daniel's going to really help me just be the the eyes and ears of beach volleyball in the fall. While I'll still be out there and I'll still go to practice, I'll have double practices, you know, two, three, four days a week. Once I get on the road, it's all indoor while he's here with the beach players, and so um, that's going to really help me. But it's been it's been a task, man, and it's something that I'm learning from every day. I mean, to take my eyes from watching beach film to indoor film and from indoor film to beach film has been a task because they're two completely different recruiting um, process in a lot of ways. Um, so it's been fun. Uh, it's been tiring, and I'm totally unorganized now, which drives me nuts uh, because there's just not enough hours in the day, you know. When you were at New Mexico State in the WAC, CSU Bakersfield had indoor and beach. You know those coaches very well. Are you reaching out to coaches around the country that have both to try to seek some advice from them? Yeah, absolutely. Caesar was one of the first people I called at Bakersfield. Uh, and actually, we're, that's our opening weekend. We're going to go play them in, in Bakersfield for the beach side of things. We're going to back our season up a little differently than most beach teams do because we're going to be a predominantly crossover-oriented beach team for the first year, maybe the first two years. So when we come back from uh, the break in, in the wintertime, we'll train indoor with all of our indoor players for about a month, and then we'll transition some of those players, predominantly our pin players, over to the beach side, and they'll just do beach for the rest of the year. So they won't go back and train indoor and go back and forth because it's just terrible on their bodies. And so sitting down with uh, people like Caesar and my buddy Jeremy White that, that coaches both at Southeastern Louisiana and talking to people like Steve Walker at Arizona and – you know, um, uh, at Boise, Sean Garris, who did both for a long time. And 
I really picked their brains and asked what would be the right model. How can I do this right? How can I make this beneficial for my players and not feel like um, they're not giving, I'm not giving them everything I got. And so we put together a pretty good model and I'm excited about, I'm excited about it. When you're recruiting, do you recruit somebody maybe for indoor and you realize this could be a better beach player or vice versa? Absolutely. I think when you, and vice versa, for sure. Like it's mostly the one way where you recruit an indoor kid and you're like, oh my gosh, this kid really could be a great beach, beach kid. You know, it doesn't normally ever go the other way because indoors, indoors played such at a high level, a physical level, way above the net. And, you know, the beach game, you watch a lot of beach kids that are five seven, five eight that can really go out there and be some of the best beach players in, in, in the United States, in, a, in the world, really. You don't have to be a big giant to be a good beach player. You just have to be skilled. You have to have six skills. It's like a, the five-tool guy in baseball. You know, if you got six skills in volleyball, you can go out on the beach and be five five, five six, five seven, and still help score points for your team. Inside, you couldn't do that. You're, you're going to get beat by more physical um, big, long athletic teams. And it, that's where the difference in recruiting is very key and very unique. Do you feel like it's a sport, especially collegiately, that it is really on the rise? You and I were just talking off the air. That's eight schools now mm-hmm. in Conference USA for beach. So Conference USA alone, it's on the rise. But nationally, do you see that? Absolutely. It's the fastest growing sport in the country other than indoor volleyball. So indoor volleyball and beach volleyball are the two fastest growing sports in the country. And I think that's actually... Uh, the same for men. I'm, boys volleyball is growing exponentially in this country. I know that just in the state of Utah and Arizona and another state recently, they just added boys boys volleyball for high school as, mm. a, as a sponsored sport. So that'll tell you how popular and how exciting our sport is in, in, in general. But the, on the female side, there's nothing close. Everything is going on the beach way and the indoor way. And there are beach-only clubs popping up all over the country now where you know, like just like if you're a if you're a kid playing AAU basketball, in the certain off season you're playing AAU basketball, right? Well, there's beach only clubs now that where kids are playing beach volleyball year round. They're no longer playing indoor. They're no longer playing basketball. They're devoting their entire um, you know experience to to playing beach volleyball. UTEP volleyball head coach Ben Wallace with us in studio today. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. Switching gears back to indoor. Season right around the corner. It's about a month and a half away from officially beginning for you. You win 24 matches last year, the most wins at the school in 33 years. You go to the postseason. You made a deep run. Expectations for this year, are they even higher than they were towards the end of last year? Yeah, I think everybody's expectations are higher for our program to go do something better and bigger than we did last year. And, you know, I think my expectation for our team and I think what we're trying to lay out for them to to set these goals for themselves is something that they're that that is theirs that is not set by our city's expectations or by our staff's expectations or our our athletic department's expectations it's got to be theirs and that's kind of what happened last year is our players decided we wanted to go do this and we're going to go get it done so that's a very important part i think of team building and culture building is laying out what what you think that your team can probably go accomplish and then having them set the goals and go achieve them so for us, every year, it's always about trying to win the conference championship. That's the number one goal. Getting to the NCAA tor- tournament for us is a big deal. And if we can accomplish that, then that's awesome. But the best and easiest way to do it is to win your conference and get the AQ. So we've always built in a tough schedule and, and, and opportunities to knock off some big-time teams. You know, We're going to go to uh, Northwestern opening this first weekend. 
um, in August and uh, play some really tough teams there. And then we host at home three top 100 teams. We have four teams in Memorial second weekend that were 20-win teams last year. UNM, uh, South Dakota, and Portland State, and then us. So that's a tough, nasty tournament of mid-majors right there. You know, Third weekend we go to Tulsa and we play Oral Roberts, Tulsa, and Abilene Christian. And then fourth weekend we go back to Arizona and play, you know, play them, play Corpus Christi, who was an NCAA tournament team, uh, and potentially, um, you know, Northridge, and also there's they tossed out Pepperdine going mm. there too. So, and then all of a sudden, we're, it's it's grind time, man. Like we're all over the map in Conference USA. We traveled to, to Miami and freaking Boca Raton first weekend. <laughs> so it's going to be a grind, and we're going to travel over nine thousand miles this year. Wow! Uh, in our in our volleyball season, and so that's not even including the conference championships that's at, that's at Western Kentucky. So the the long-winded answer to your question is the expectation is high, but I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, when we took this job, there weren't any expectations. They just wanted us to not be crappy. And now now they're expecting for us to go win a conference championship, and my team is excited about that. That atmosphere, Ben, that you had down the stretch last year in Memorial Gym was unreal. I mean, the, the postseason run, unreal. You're going to open up at home this year, September 1st, the Borderland Invitational at Memorial Gym. Do you expect that to carry over from last year into this year with the atmosphere inside your venue? I really do. I, I'm hopeful. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've got this 915 campaign that our, our athletic department has kicked off, which is really cool. I'm excited about it. That September 1st game is our 915 game. Uh, where we're trying and uh, anticipating selling it out, and we we sold it out last year a couple times in the NIVC, you know, in order to get 35, 36, 3700 people in there, um, and I do think it's gonna you know help us a lot with momentum. Um, you know, being the top attended team in our conference is a big deal. You've got two top twenty five teams in our conference, and you know we were a top fifty program, so three of the top fifty teams in America play in Conference USA. And to be the leader in attendance shows how our city loves volleyball. And I think we can get better. I mean, we, we, had, we uh, averaged just under 1,000 fans a match. I think we can get 1,000 fans or a little more than 1,000 fans a match. I expect that to happen pretty regularly now that we've shown that we can um, really play volleyball at a high level. So I'm looking forward to it. We're still out, man. I'm out kicking the doors and shaking <laughs> the trees to get people in our stands. And we've got over 900 kids on our campus this summer doing camps. Uh, and we're just we're just trying to build as many relationships as we can to get people out and cheer us on. UTEP Volleyball Head Coach Ben Wallace with us in studio here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. I feel like it's always really good when UTEP and New Mexico State are both good at the same time, and we saw that last year. You played a couple of five-set thrillers against the Aggies, two really well-played matches, and it could be very similar again this year. How important is that when the Aggies and the Miners are both good for this area? Well, you know, we almost didn't get it on the schedule this year because Mike and I both have very long, like, just tough grinder conference schedules. But he and I are always going to find a way to play it because it is so important to our city. It's important to our administrators. Getting UNM on the schedule and New Mexico State uh, to play is a big deal to me. I want that to happen every year. And, I, you know, Mike and I have been trying like heck to make sure that we play potentially two times a year because it's such a fun atmosphere for our fans. No matter what we do, if they beat us or we beat them, it's going to be two good volleyball teams kicking each other's butts. And that's kind of what happened last year. I mean, a couple of points here and a couple of points there, they sweep us 2-0, and you know, and that's kind of what happened our way a couple of times and a few points here and there, and we got them in both the matches. So, But both those experiences made us better volleyball teams. So, I love the rivalry. I love my guy. 
I mean, he and I, you know, he and I just give each other a big old hug for the match, and then we give each other a big old hug and sit in each other's offices and commiserate after the match is over with. So um, I think the World Litter Program, they've got a brand new roster, and a guy got a bunch of really good transfer kids. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, we're only going to play them once uh, right before Thanksgiving, and that's the only time we could have got it on the schedule because we, we just don't have any room in our interconference schedule this year. You took over kind of a similar program as Mike did in the late 90s. When he took over New Mexico State, they were struggling mightily, and now he's been consistent for 20-plus years. Do you seek advice for consistency from him? Because it seems like he's been Mr. Consistency over the years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, why wouldn't I? You know, I mean, I, we, we talk to each other every week. You know, we pick up the phone and we talk about volleyball or we talk about being dads, you know what I mean, and, and uh, being husbands and – um, I definitely bounce a lot off him. You know, he'll send me videos of kids that he's recruiting, and I'll send him videos of kids we're recruiting and ask his thoughts. I always and will forever need that guy's opinion because his eyes see volleyball the way that I think it should be seen. And I was just lucky to grow up learning from a guy that I, I didn't realize at the time until I got a little older and into this industry that, you know, how bright he was and how good he was at, at just coaching and teaching and pushing people to get outside of comfort zone. So, yeah, we, you know, Every once in a while, we'll just kind of pick up the phone and not talk about volleyball, but it's not very often. I mean, most of the time, it's uh, how's the kids doing, how, you know, how's Yvonne, and then all of a sudden we start getting into our teams, which is fun. It's exciting this time of year. Lastly, Ben, your fourth year coming up as a head coach, moving over from associate head coach now to head coach, changing programs. Is there one thing you can pinpoint that was the hardest adjustment for you going from assistant to head coach? Yeah, it's delegating. It's the hardest. I mean, my wife will tell you, if you if you had her on this call, she would have said it before I even, like, had a chance to think about it. It would have come out of her mouth as soon as you asked the question. It's delegating. I, you know, when you're an associate head coach or you're, or you're an assistant, your job is to take all the pressure off the head coach and do all the things, wear all the hats, you know, do the camp stuff, do the travel stuff, do all, the, all these things that make you a better coach. When you're the head coach, you have a lot of things that pull you in a thousand directions, and if you're not good at delegating – you'll drown. And it took me uh, about a year and a half to really figure out it's okay to say, you know, here, I need you guys to do this for me, or I, I just can't do this. And so it's it's more important now, Adam, running two programs. Mm. Oh my gosh, I, I there's some days where I'm like, I can't get to all this stuff. But I just have learned a little better and a little better how to say no. I don't like to say no. Anybody calls sure. me and says, can you be on the radio? I want to mm-hmm. go. You know, I'm, I, I just want to, I want to do yeah. it. I want to talk about our program. But uh, saying no is one thing, but delegating is the number one thing I've had to learn, and I'm still learning how to be better at. Well, we know you're busy, so thanks (laughs) so much for stopping by today, taking some time with us, and uh, best of luck. August 26th, the season opener at Northwestern, September 1st against New Mexico in Memorial Gym for your home opener. Coach, thanks so much. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, and good luck. How's the wife? She's great. She's listening today, of course. I love it. She loves you as well. All right, that's Ben Wallace joining us here on Sports Talk. The head volleyball coach, indoor and beach for UTEP. His mentor joins us next. Mike Jordan, the NM State Volleyball Head Coach, coming up next after Charlie won with his traffic update on 600 ESPN El Paso. 23 past the hour, Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Ben Wallace for joining us in studio, the UTEP Volleyball Head Coach. And Ben worked for many years under this man, our next guest, Mike Jordan, the veteran head volleyball coach at New Mexico State. We called him Mr. Consistent earlier because he just wins year after year. 
in Las Cruces. Coach, thanks for joining us. How has your offseason been? Not too bad, Adam. Busy chasing my son around baseball fields and uh, watching him play sports. So it's been a good summer. We just had Ben Wallace on, and first off, he said he wants Andale's green chili chicken enchiladas hand-delivered for the match in November. And uh, we were also talking as well, Coach, about how good it is right now that UTEP and New Mexico State are both good at the same time. It's been a while. You've been consistent at New Mexico State, and Ben's starting to flip UTEP. So this is good for the area, isn't it? It is. And, you know, in fact, I, it's the first time it's ever happened. I mean, we, when I took over in 98, you know, NMSU was obviously struggling and UTEP wasn't doing that much better. I think they had a couple decent years under, um, uh, under Coach Brandle. But, um, you know, after that, we started to dominate the series and UTEP's been struggling quite a bit. And uh, obviously, you know, I, knowing Ben so well, I knew he would do a good job of rebuilding it and uh, for the first time, it's actually become a competitive series. When you took over New Mexico State there in the late 90s, Coach, it was nothing. So you had to build it up right away, and you built it into a top 25 program. I know it's hard to build it up, but is it harder to stay consistent and win 20-plus matches and compete for conference championships and NCAA tournament berths every single year? Yeah, continuing to do it, I think, is the hard part, especially – and mainly due to, um, you know, conference realignment, the the Power Five doing everything they can to to um, uh, separate themselves. A lot of the Power Five conferences the last you know decade have started to put a lot of money into their programs, uh, so it's just easy to get left behind. the The days of the mid majors who you know could compete for national championships like. Long Beach State did when, you know, we were first entering, uh, when I first took over and we were in the Big West, those days are over. Um, so it's, yeah, it's difficult to continue to play well on a, uh, on an elite level, I think. Um, you know, Hawaii's dominance is over. Uh, it's not to say they don't have good teams or can't have good teams again, but it's just difficult to do year in and year out for sure. And now, Coach, you have NIL and the transfer portal kind of taking over collegiate athletics. Every offseason, I'm sure, is different, but because of NIL and the transfer portal being so prevalent right now, did this offseason feel different because of that? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, free agency, it's almost like free agency, right? Um, and it's worked its way, and, and I, I think it's here to stay for a little while. Um, we can, you know, argue those the merits of that all day long, but uh, it, it clearly, again, you know, you see the Power Five doing these things to separate themselves, and uh, it makes it difficult. I mean, you got players at our level that um, you know have great years, and and uh, they can just go where they want. You know, it's it's a difficult thing, but uh, they're going to pay players now. You know, call it what it is, right? It's it's pay for play with the NIL thing, and. Uh, they've got the money to do it, and they know the rest of the country doesn't. So, again, it you know it puts it puts the mid majors at a disadvantage. New Mexico State volleyball <laughs> head coach Mike Jordan with us here on Sports Talk. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz on 600 ESPN El Paso with the transfer portal right now. Coach, does your program at least get a foot in the door early on most of these players because of your winning tradition and your history of NCAA tournament trips? I, you know, I think a lot of 
student athletes are willing to listen to um, to what we have to say, obviously, and and figure out what we're about because of the success. I think that's a positive, obviously. Um, but you know, the downside is that uh, everybody knows about every transfer, um, so it it makes it difficult sometimes. You know, the, I'm sure the phone has to ring for some of these young women. It has to ring 50, 100, 150 times. Uh, with different schools. And so, uh, you know, they want to narrow that list down quickly. You can't talk to everybody, obviously. So uh, it's a difficult process for everybody, I think. I've heard a lot of coaches say they have one assistant or multiple assistants monitoring the transfer portal hour by hour, minute by minute. So every player that gets put in the portal, they at least get some eyeballs on their statistics or video right away just to see if it's worth going after. Do you guys have that as well? <laughs> well, we definitely keep an eye on it, but uh, it's definitely not minute to minute. I, I Like you, I've heard these stories of schools hiring people in the athletic department to do exactly that. That's their job. Uh, they just go through the portal in sports and, and make sure the coaches are notified. And What an interesting way to make a living, I guess, oh. right? Crazy. Mike Jordan with us, the NM State Volleyball Head Coach. Sports Talk are in 600 ESPN El Paso. Consistently winning year to year. And Coach, you have a lot of fresh faces this year. A lot of new pieces from the transfer portal. Let's talk about your team in the upcoming season. Tell us about some of those key additions that should play a key role right away in August. Yeah, we've we've had, definitely added to the roster and, and with some experience. Um uh, we felt like we filled a need in, in especially on the antennas, uh, on both pins, on the left and the right. We needed to get a little bit more physical. Um, I think we've uh, done a great job offensively the last year or two. The, um, the hard part for us has been stopping people. We were a little bit small uh, on the pins, so we, we felt like we wanted to go a little bit taller, and uh, we did that. Certainly, when you look at... Uh, Molly Johnson, who's a grad transfer from Michigan State. Uh, Molly's, you know, 6'4", 6'5", with a 6'7", wingspan. And, and uh, she comes from the Big Ten, obviously a great conference. And, and she chose us because she wanted to go to the NCAA tournament. She, hadn't, she wasn't able to do that at Michigan State. And uh, that was a key deal for piece of the puzzle for her, I think. And uh, we obviously have a history of, of getting to the tournament. So we're really looking forward to getting her on campus, um, you know, and in the in the practice gym and and uh, Riley Whitekettle 64 from the University of Houston uh, she redshirted last year but she's very athletic and can play on either antenna and so we definitely from a height standpoint we've improved ourselves Keisha Brown from the University of Iowa 6162 and not a great jumper but uh, long arms and uh, really good arms so uh, just there alone we've got the height that uh, I think we need to be successful I talked to you a few weeks ago for a podcast, and you talked about the large roster. You said you just can't turn people away. So you do have a number of local players, again, Coach, with some local flavor on your roster this year. Yeah, you know, and I we have a crazy large roster every year, and it, this is the largest one we've had, I think. And, I again, you know, there's a lot of local flavor. I think there are a lot of – we just had a young lady in my office not too long ago, and from Las Cruces and she, she wanted an opportunity to play. It was, she said it was always her dream to play here. And we try and give people those opportunities when we can, but obviously we can only take so many players and still keep our sanity, you know, but uh, I think if you're a good, a good athlete and you're going to be a great teammate and you can, you can 
contribute to the practice environment and the culture of the program, then we're willing to give you an opportunity. And, you know, that opportunity may only last one season. It may, it may last all four years. I've got uh, quite a few players that very rarely ever played uh, in the history of our program that, that were, you know, four or five-year walk-ons, and uh, I love them to death. They added so much. Uh, other than the statistics, you know, to, to our success. And we're, we're key people and leaders and teammates. And so uh, we're always looking for those types of players. And, and it's difficult to manage the large roster. You can't keep everybody happy all the time, obviously, with playing time. But uh, uh, we make a go of it, and, and uh, it certainly keeps it interesting. I know you want to release your schedule, but it's kind of hard right now because UIW backed out of the whack a year early, Lamar just did so the other day. So there's been a couple different revisions to your schedule, correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, and <laughs> I laugh because it's uh, it's kind of a running joke now in the conference. I mean, we uh, they're redoing the conference schedule again, and uh, the options I saw today were terrible. Um, none of them are really any good. You you run, you know, there's 13 teams in the conference now, and so to play volleyball. And so you can't have two even divisions. Um, if you're going to have a conference tournament, you want to play uh, the exact same number of matches. You saw what nightmare happened last year with them trying to use winning percentage. Uh, our division had more quality teams than the other division. Uh, Utah Valley gets seeded much lower than they should have been. So it created a nightmare in the tournament. And we're trying to avoid that again, but uh, the WAC can't seem to figure itself out. It's been uh, it's been trying to say the least, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm just going to take the hey, you know what? You set them up, we'll knock them down mentality. Uh, I saw one option today that I think is probably going to pass uh, that had us of the of the top half of the conference from from a strength standpoint. I think we play all of them on the road, um, so obviously uh, uh, not a fun send off for us going to the conference USA, but. It is what it is. You know, we'll, we'll rise up to the challenge. New Mexico State Volleyball Head Coach Mike Jordan with us. Sports Talk here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We do know one match on paper right now. That's UTEP on November 23rd. And, Coach, it was a great atmosphere last year. And it just goes to show, and you've seen this during your tenure at New Mexico State, there's a lot of big-time volleyball fans in this area, in that 40, 45-mile radius from Las Cruces to El Paso. They just really enjoy good volleyball, and they got that last year in both matches when you played the minors. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we're still in a little bit of a, I think, our community in Las Cruces, maybe because, you know, it is somewhat of a retirement community. Uh, I think we're still kind of going to have a hangover from COVID. There are a lot of our diehard, hardcore fans who still are staying home uh, kind of afraid to go out. So we, we've got to get them back and uh, get attendance back where it was. Obviously, we've got a, we're going to have a great team. We've got a great product. And, and uh, El Paso, large city, and Ben's got them motivated and going. And they're, they're successful now. And, you know, we talked about it and decided we wanted to play a match uh, before a postseason tournament. You know, there's sometimes there's a long layoff uh, between your conference tournament and, and uh, NCA play or NIT play. And so, uh, it's important, I think, that we get a match in there and, and uh, keep the rust off. You brought up Conference USA, and you head into Conference USA July 2023. So one more year in the WAC, and then you go to 
CUSA, which on paper is a really good volleyball league. Uh, are the, are you doing any preparations right now to get ready for Conference USA? Does anything change for you from your perspective as you gear up for a new league? You know, there's not really much we can do. We one we've we we talked to a few of the schools about scheduling this year, but you know those schedules in in, in advance are, are done in contracts, and we didn't we didn't quite get anything that we liked uh, in terms of playing one of those opponents. Um, uh, so the other part is that, you know, we've been in good volleyball conferences before, um, we know what it's like and, and, uh, you know, again, there's not much we can do, uh, but we'll be ready for it when the time comes. Coach, I see at the football games, the basketball games, the baseball, the softball, you name it, you're there. So you support athletics as a whole. And I've talked about this with other coaches as well. Think about playing the minors as an Aggie head coach when it really, really matters for uh, conference tournament implications or for a regular season championship. So this rivalry, which is already huge during the regular season, is really going to be revved up if you play UTEP late in the regular season for a championship or in the conference tournament. Have you thought about that at all? You know, I haven't. Um... Uh, I'm I'm a look what's it right in front of me kind of guy, Adam. But uh, yeah, obviously, you know, there's certainly going to be some big moments moving forward. Um, I hope both of our programs are at the top of the conference and and battling it out. That, that would be fun. And you know, Ben and I are close, and nothing's ever going to change that. Uh, we can compete hard, and and our teams will compete hard. And uh, I'm like I said before, I'm I'm really glad that it's actually a competitive. Uh, series again, a competitive rivalry. I think that's great for the community, like you said. Um, and you know, and right now UNM doesn't want to play us; they don't want any part of us. So uh, it, it's the only rivalry we've got to look forward to, and uh, so we're, we're excited about that. Lastly, Coach, the preseason schedule does practice start here soon? Do you start ramping things up here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, first week of August. Um, you know, a lot of the players are here now. Um, they're lifting and, and playing open gyms together, taking classes. Uh, really, the strength and conditioning piece is a big deal for them right now. Uh, when we start practice August 7th or 8th, I believe it is, uh, we only get about two and a half weeks before we play our first real match, so it's not a lot of time. So it's important that they're, they're fit and ready to go. They're doing that now. I've uh, visited with um, pretty much every one of them, and, uh, enjoyed conversation, and they, they pop up in the office, a lot of them every day, uh, to kill some boredom, I think. And, and uh, we're, yeah, we're getting excited. You know, it's that time of year where uh, the freshmen are here, the, the transfers are here, there's a lot of new blood. Everyone's getting to know each other. It's a, kind of a fun honeymoon phase. Coach, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today here on Sports Talk. AY, always happy to talk to you, and uh, go Aggies. That's New Mexico State Volleyball head coach Mike Jordan, extremely successful consistently year-to-year and gearing up for his 25th season as the head coach of the Aggies. They will play the Miners in Ben Wallace coming up on November 23rd. It was a great atmosphere last year in Memorial Gym. Should be a fun atmosphere again in late November for two programs that are, are really having high expectations this upcoming season. Coming up next on Sports Talk, we'll talk to New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer. He's in his first year. He's approaching his fourth month on the job, and he has done 
so much already. He'll continue with us on Sports Talk at 545. And then the voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, joining us at 620, right before first pitch of Chihuahuas baseball as they start up a six-game homestand tonight at Southwest University Park. First pitch at 635 against Round Rock. First-year Aggie men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer joins us when we come back. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz on 600 ESPN El Paso. 46 past the hour as we continue here tonight on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. Big thanks to New Mexico State Volleyball Head Coach Mike Jordan for joining us. And we continue the Aggies trend as we say hello to New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer. He's in his first season in Las Cruces and he has absolutely hit the ground running. Coach, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Adam? I'm well. I know you're always grinding, so uh, I'm sure it's been a busy day once again. I got to see practice a couple times last week, and uh, the guys look good. How about your perspective so far in preseason practice? Yeah, I like uh, I like where they're at. Um, you know, I really like our young kids. Uh, they've improved a lot. Uh, they're tremendous people, and they're, they're very talented, but they're great listeners. Um, that's something that I, I stress a lot. Um, they've really made a lot of improvements, and obviously um, our veterans uh, have a lot of ability and experience, and we got some good size. So I've been I've been pleased so far, um, you know. But it's still way early, and we got a long ways to go uh, to be a basketball team and to be a a really good basketball team. But uh, we're gonna obviously work. Coach, you only have two holdovers from the previous team, but you have a couple guys that you coached last year at the JUCO level, and a number of these players played AAU ball together back in the day, so a lot of them know each other. Has that helped the process early on? Definitely. It's really helped. Obviously, bringing DeShondre and Issa has really helped. Uh, you know, On the court, in the locker room, expectations, um, helping guys with, you know, I'm pretty laid back off the court but on the court I'm I'm pretty intense and fiery and so sometimes that catches players a little bit off guard but they've done a great job of you know just explaining this is who coach is this is how he does things these are his expectations and uh you know I got to give uh Peak and uh Chi Chi and Shaq uh you know even though Shaq was a red shirt last year he was still here but those three guys I got to give a lot of uh, credit to too you can tell they were well coached last year my coach Chans and that staff, and they got a, a competitive fire to them that, that I love, and um, they're big and athletic, uh, and they know the place, and they've helped the rest of the team out a lot as well. There's no doubt you've done a great job recruiting on paper. You can see that. Anybody can tell when you see who was who after these guys, how many stars they have, and all the publications and the stuff written about them, but until you see it on the floor, you just don't know, right? Have you liked what you've seen on the floor so far going from, okay, this is what we have on paper, and now this is what we have on the hardwood? Has there been a good translation there, Coach? Yeah, I mean, there there, there definitely has been. Uh, you know, I got a lot of great kids and, um, you know, talented guys. Um, you know, they're going to have to continue to, to build the, the mindset and the, the – effort that it takes, the competitiveness that it takes, the attention to detail that it takes, uh, you know, to be a, a championship team, an NCAA tournament team, where obviously 
a long, long ways away from that. But, uh, you know, we have the, the size, the length, the athleticism, the skill, and the want to, to get there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very pleased. We just got to continue to take it one day at a time and get 1% better every single day. I know that's kind of something that everybody says, but it's really true. And um, worry about the things that each and every one of them can control and, um, you know, understand who they are and who we are and, uh, you know, just continue to grow. But, yeah, you know, they're just a great group of guys. And, um, you know, they they just, I mean, they work and they're trying. So I, I can't complain at all. New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer with us here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Obviously, depth is something any coach wants, Coach Heyer. Have you seen that you have the ability to be really deep, at least going into the season so far? Yes, definitely. Uh, our strength is in our numbers. Um, we, have, we have great depth at every position, and, uh, you know, that's something that, as a coach, um, it makes just makes practice so competitive, and um, we have really good size. So it's you know we can simulate um, power five size inside um, to go against every single day. But you know they we they're really clean movers for as big as we are. Um, we can move, so um, you know that's just that's exciting. It it, it really is, and uh, you know they're all putting weight on and and getting stronger in the weight room and really getting after it in the weight room. And uh, you know I know. Uh, Taylor Taylor Jenkins, our, our strength coach, is you know he's so pleased with the group and how hard they're working in there, and um, so we're just kind of you know building. But what probably what is you know the biggest what I notice the most is what a, they like act like they've been around each other for mm. a couple of years, like they get along, they they hang out together off the court. You see six or seven of them together all the time, and you know the, there's always a different six or seven together and they're laughing and they're joking. And it, it just, they're, they're really understanding the, the family type approach. Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to equate to more wins, but you know, it's, it's really enjoyable as a coach to see a group that, that gets along and, and likes each other and, and, you know, pushes each other in practice, but you know, off the court, uh, you know, they laugh, they joke, they, 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 they talk, they, um, you know, do things as a group, and that's you don't always get that as a coach. Yeah, that's hard to get, especially in this day and age with the transfer portal and when you're flipping a roster pretty much like you have so far, but they come into a program that has won a lot. Is that the reward that you talk about often is, hey, if you do the right things, you'll have the chance to play in some really big games in March? Yeah, I mean, that's the expectations here. The expectations are high, and... Um, you know, obviously, I'm following uh, my mentor and a legend coach, and Chris Chance, who's who did a wonderful job. Uh, I mean, unbelievable job what he's done the last five years that he was here, and and just uh, you know, so the expectations are the same, and the players know those are the expectations to to win championships and to compete in March, and um, you know, not easy, not easy to do. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, hard to do. Is like I tell him, it's hey. It's one thing to, to say it. It's another, a whole other thing to do it and to be able to do it every single day. Um, but, you know, they're getting challenged daily. And, um, um, you know, when it's, when it's go time and, 
they're responding so far. But, yeah, that definitely helps um, being at a place where, you know, your fans, they love basketball here. And, you know, the, our players know that they love basketball. And it's a basketball school. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's just a great feeling to be a coach at a place where basketball is really important. And that's to say that the other sports are really important around here as well. But, uh, you know, just the, the – the, what has been, what has happened here, the tradition, and not just the last five years, but over the course of history. I mean, to be to the, went to the Final Four and um, 26 NCAA tournament appearances. So, uh, you know, they've done a lot of, of wonderful things around here, and, uh, you know, our expectations are to keep it going. NM Statements basketball head coach Greg Heyer with us. He's in his first year in Las Cruces as the Aggies head coach. He takes over for Chris Jans and he has added some really exciting pieces to the roster. And when we come back here on Sports Talk, we'll talk about personnel with Coach. So, Coach, stick around with us. Segment number two coming up. This is Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour number three of Sports Talk here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz here today. Thank you for joining us. New Mexico State men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer is with us for segment number two. We take you up until 6.30 tonight, leading into Chihuahua's baseball. Tim Haggerty will join us at 6.20. And, Coach, before the break, I said I wanted to talk personnel. And you talked a little bit about Chi-Chi Avery and Mike Peake in our first segment. And those are the only two holdovers that played a year ago. And Mike Peake, in some interviews right after he decided to stay with the program, he talked about your background with player development. And that's why he wanted to stay to get better it seems like right now that's really working for Mike. Did you see a buy-in right away from Peak and Avery immediately when you took over? Yeah, I mean, they've been phenomenal. Mike Peak, the last three workouts, has, has been as athletic, explosive, hard-playing, staying within himself, just super confident, uh, I mean, I'm blown away by um, how he's been playing. Um, I'm just so proud of him. And, you know, he's, he's playing to his strengths, and he's, he's doing it at an extremely high level, and he's flying around all over the court. And I could talk about um, PZ for, for, for an hour. I mean, he comes in every day. He comes and sits down in my office. We talk. I mean, he's got a great personality, uh, you know, I could go on and on about him, but his his play is is um, really showing of someone that is really bought in, like you said, Adam. And then you know, Chichi, I've been spending a lot of time with, and Chichi has got so many gifts. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything at six foot nine. Uh, he he can shoot it, he can drive it, he can really defend. Uh, he's you know, and he's slowly but surely um, maturing into understanding who he is in, in his game, and um, but he's working extremely hard. You know, the, the heavy ball stuff is, is really helping him with his um, – and the tennis ball with his hand-eye coordination, his hand strength, and getting him so he's not so straight up and down, and he's playing lower. And uh, so I've been extremely pleased with both of them. Um, I really couldn't ask for much more out of those two guys uh, returning. So, uh, you know, both of them have been – uh, phenomenal, and both of them are, are really fun guys to be around and have both have, you know, dynamic personalities as well. 
Your point guard, Jashandre Washington, you coached him last year at Northwest Florida, and he turned into one of the best JUCO players in the country, if not the best. And he's a top JUCO recruit coming in. A lot of Power 5 schools were on him. He told me a couple weeks ago, he said, there was never a thought about going anywhere else once GH got the New Mexico State job. So he wanted to play for you. How far have you seen him grow the last year? And is there still another another level coach that DeShondre Washington can get to as an Aggie? Oh, he's got one, he's got a whole other level that he can go to. And we talked about that just in the last 48 hours. But uh, two, your question number one, how far has he come? It's like night and day. I mean, we both laugh about it. Uh, come last August when he arrived at, Northwest Florida, as one, as a person, he's come a long, long way. Two, as a his skill set and his skill level has come a long, long way. Three, uh, how he deals and handles his teammates and makes his teammates better and talks to his teammates is like night and day. Um, and just what a consistent, everyday worker that he is um, and how important he understands the little things are about, you know, not turning the ball over, defending every possession, um, getting your teammates involved, executing, being at the right spots, the attention to detail, the little things. I mean, he's just gotten so much better. And it's, you know, like I tell him, this is to credit to you because change is hard and you have changed. You've bought in and you have changed, and you fought the days that have been hard, and you've you've really grown as in maturity and and as a person. Um, and you made the choice to do it. it. You know, we can all we can put you and tell you what you need to do and all that, but you know, it, it's got to be up to the person to have the willingness to change. And you know, I'm really proud of him. You brought Issa Muhammad with you from Northwest Florida as well. So it wasn't just DeShondre Washington. And when you look at the rankings and all the publications, Issa does not get the attention that DeShondre gets. Is he an X factor for you, though, Coach? Oh, no doubt. I mean, you're talking about a young man that was in the NBA draft before he came to me at Northwest Florida. And, uh, you know, 6'9", 240, athletic, uh, you know, my wife came to one of the workouts last week, and she was like, I, she didn't even recognize him because he was playing so hard. And I went home, and I was joking. I'm like, oh, he's one step away from the NBA now. It's not JUCO no more. And he's, you know, he's taking it a lot more serious, and he's putting a, um, a lot of time in. I mean, they even the managers even said he's been coming to the gym extra, and I don't think he came to the gym extra one time last year. And You know, so he's he, he sees the light now, and um, – you know, he's kind of uh, been playing and been working like the guy that, you know, I thought he was, we were going to have it. He was a really good player last year. I mean, he started every game and basically a double-double um, every night or close to it. And, you know, but he understands that position in, in the system. And, you know, he understands all the terminology. He understands the different defenses. He understands the rotations. Um, so, you know, he again, He's been a teacher on the court. He's been helping these young guys out on the court, and um, I'm just I'm proud of him. And M Statements basketball head coach Greg Heyer with us here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. 
Coach, your AD, Mario Mocha, loves to pick favorites, and uh, he was at practice last week, and Xavier Pinson's his guy now. That's, that's the person he's pinpointed already. That was a huge late get for you, somebody with a couple of years of Power 5, high-level starting experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I, guess, I guess Mario can pick him. I mean, you can walk <laughs> in the gym, and uh, I mean, it ain't hard to pick him. I mean, he moves so well. Uh, he's very unselfish. His demeanor never changes. Uh, you know, he's, he's cat quick and he's electric in transition and then he can really shoot the ball as well. But, you know, he just makes everybody around him better. And then, then you go start watching him defend and, uh, you know, he, he can go from one side of the court. It's like he knows where the ball's going. I mean, he, his anticipation is just incredible, um, on the defensive end of the court. And, uh, I just love how he handles his teammates and, uh, you know, that's how he talks, and uh, he's always on the baseline saying, hey, we got to talk more, we got to talk more, talk, talk, say what you do, say what you do, like, just, I mean, just, those are, that's an experienced veteran point guard, um, you know, that can play all over the floor, I mean, you got Washington who can play all over the floor, you got Penson who can play all over the floor, you got Quiet Gordon, you got Chi-Chi, and then these young freshmen get to go against these guys every single day. And, I mean, their, their improvement has, um, in, in a few workouts has been um, pretty noticeable as well because they get to go against that, that level of experience and talent every single day. Yeah, you're really deep, Coach. So it, it would take us an hour to go through each guy on your roster because each guy could potentially play some minutes for you this year, especially at least 10-plus. Has there been a guy or two that you can pinpoint right now that maybe came in lower on the depth chart coming in or was a late sign and he's surpassed expectations here in the first couple of weeks of workouts? Yeah, I would say Shahar Lazar, um, a kid, young man from Israel. Uh, just He's just an every day, every play. He can really shoot. He can really, really defend. He's grasping things. Um you know, Bull Kerr is, I mean, the last couple workouts, uh, he's starting to, he's starting to really get it with that size and that athleticism and he's got great hand activity. He can protect the basket and he's starting to, to kind of grasp just, uh, the terminology and stuff. And, and the last one, I mean, Deuce Benjamin, um, Deuce is going to be, he's going to be a real player. Uh, he, he's explosive. You know, he gets to go learn from X every single day, and he's a lot like X. Uh, and he's just a student of the game. I mean, he's, you know, every night he's asking me for film on Fred Van Vliet or Tremont Waters or Skylar Mays or former players that I've coached. And, uh, you know, I just I love the fact that he's all in and he wants to be good and he loves this place. And obviously his father was a Hall of Famer here. So I'm really excited about his growth and development and, uh, like I tell them all the time, what, what a great opportunity you got to learn from uh, you know, some of the best guards in the country. Adam Young with NM State Men's Basketball Head Coach, Greg Heyer, Sports Talk here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We're with you tonight until 630. Tim Haggerty will join us at 620 here tonight. And Coach, uh, I'm sure you're going to get tired of this question. I know Chris Jans did uh, pretty early on in his tenure, but you're going to get this every single year. Where's the schedule at? How close are you on the schedule? How hard is it to schedule? And I know you've seen already here in year one, it is really, really hard to put together a schedule, isn't it? Because nobody wants to play you, home or away. 
Yeah, you know, we have seven, seven quality games on the schedule uh, right now. That um, And then depending on who we get in the MTE in Vegas, that'll give us nine quality games. Uh, we got to get to, I think we need four more. We need three more home games. Uh, you know, we're, we're reaching out to everybody. And, you know, we, we want to get some quality home games so our fans can see us play non-conference at home against um, good opponents. You know, we have UTEP at home and we have New Mexico, the Lobos at home. So, you know, those two, two games are going to be rocking and the fans are going to love that. But, you know, I want to add a couple other, uh, you know, good opponents at home. And, uh, Adam, you know better than me. And Chris told me before I took the job here that scheduling was going to be something that mm-hmm. was going to be very, very, very difficult. And, you know, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm a new coach. I'm losing basically 90% of the stat sheet. Like, who's not going to want to come here and play? Who's not going to want to play us? Because, you know, we basically got a whole new team. And, yeah, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into scheduling here, uh, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't think it would be as hard being a, a, a first-year Division One coach with a, with a new team. But, you know, that, that really doesn't matter. It's It's very, very – difficult and but we're gonna every single day we're gonna spend you know 90 minutes to two hours a day calling and, and talking to people and researching people before we call them and um, trying to put together the best schedule that we possibly can there's an interesting wrinkle now too coach with the news coming down about the WAC yesterday with WAC standings not really factoring into seating now for the conference tournament they're going to use Ken Palm formula the net and then reward teams for winning against tougher schedules, which goes into the non-conference portion. You're already trying to schedule tough, though, so that should not affect you, correct? I don't think so. I mean, we're basically at the same schedule that uh, Coach Jans had last year. Uh, so, you know, I mean, yeah, we, 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 we could add a, we have to add a Power 5 um, by game. Um, but we, we got a very similar schedule, and, you know, it, Last year, with the numbers, when I saw the numbers of the how they're going to do things, coach's team last year was head over heels above all the other schools in the league as far as being the outright number one seed, and that's why they got the 12 seed in the tournament. So I think that you know we're we're blessed that we get the you know UTEP home home and home, New Mexico home and home. Those four games, right? and then going down there to to play in the classic in El Paso and to get Kent State and then another potential opportunity if both we win and UTEP wins um, to get UTEP again. I mean, that's, that is right there alone is six quality opponents. Have you had a job in the past? Have you been in a program in the past, Coach, where you've had multiple rivals built into your non-conference schedule like you have now with the Miners and the Lobos? Um, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. You know, now being being in the Panhandle Conference for six for six years, and you played, you know, our rivals three times. So you know, I've played teams three times in in two months for six years. So it's you know, it doesn't. It's basically the same thing as playing three times if we were to play UTEP three times in the in the non conference schedule. So. Um, you know, it is what it is, and I like it. I'm glad that we're in it. It's great for, for UTEP. It's great for, you know, the city of El Paso. It's great for our fans. It's close. It's a rivalry. Uh, you know, hey, if we want to, if, if, if we can't find good games, let's play another time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so because 
you know, it is, it's important to this area and to both universities and the fans. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I um, mean, Coach Golding is a great coach and a good friend of mine, and he does a wonderful job, and they're going to be really good and really well coached. So uh, it's going to be a great test for us uh, in the non-conference, and I'm excited about it. Final thing, Coach. In a couple of weeks, you head to the Bahamas. You have a Bahamas international trip. I know the games are going to be great. The weather will be great. How excited are you for that trip? I can't wait. I can't wait. I just can't wait to take this group and go on the road and spend six days together and, you know, see them get to go out and play four, four quality games. But also the team camaraderie, you know, going out on a, on a boat and, you know, whatever, whatever we got doing, whatever they got us doing uh, over there, um, you know, I'm just excited to, to get to spend time with each and every one of these guys and uh, just kind of get our mind off uh, here and, and get to play games. And, you know, we got some fans coming, so we'll get to spend time with the fans as well. It's just going to be a I, – I just can't wait. Um, you know, my first year as a head coach to get to go to the Bahamas with a brand-new team, I mean, it's like too good to be true. Pretty cool. Coach, thanks for the time as always. Continued success to you and the program. Adam, I appreciate you. You're the best. Thank you. All right, Aggie men's basketball head coach Greg Heyer with us here on Sports Talk on 600 ESPN El Paso. We'll take our final break during the show. When we come back, we'll chat to the voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty. He's at the ballpark as the Chihuahuas get ready to start up a six-game homestand tonight at Southwest University Park. First pitch at 635 against Round Rock. The voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, joins us from Southwest University Park. Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. Back after this on 600 ESPN El Paso. It's the final countdown as we lead you into Chihuahua's baseball tonight. First pitch at 635 over at Southwest University Park as the Chihuahuas open up a six-game series with Round Rock, trying to continue their winning ways. They have won three straight in seven of nine. The voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, joins us now from the ballpark. And Tim, this is an honor for me getting a toss to you over to the ballpark. Are you refreshed, sir, after the uh, off day yesterday? Well, that is very nice of you to say it's an honor. I've enjoyed listening to uh, Sports Talk Adam Young. I've, of course, heard play-by-play Adam Young many times, but uh, nice job by you. So it's an honor to, um, I don't know, have the baton handed to me <laughs> from you. There we go. Um, yes, the Chihuahuas uh, flew in yesterday morning. I think everybody's refreshed day off yesterday that's really changed things uh with a day off every week in the early days of the chihuahuas there was one day off in between mid-july and labor day when the season ended uh that's changed quite a bit with a day off each day each, each week now one day off per week so uh, i think that was part of major league baseball's goals when they reconfigured the minor league schedules to try to improve the players bodies and health Tim, I know how precious those off days are for broadcasters going back to my minor league baseball days, and I always try to play a little bit of golf during my off days, and I know you have a kid, but do you have an off day ritual that you try uh, pretty often during the season? Yeah, um, so my son is six now. In the early days of the Chihuahuas before he was born, uh, typically I would sleep a lot later, catch up that way. It's a great opportunity to do whatever... Um, things that typically you might do on a weekend but you don't have a chance to because there's games whether that's getting a haircut getting your car fixed uh, going grocery shopping 
But yeah, my son and I have been hanging out at some local playgrounds, local parks. Uh, the sleep thing does not work anymore. <laughs> For the parents out there listening, uh, I can't be sleeping until noon anymore when you have a six-year-old. They, they're not really wired that way, but... Um, Golf has always seemed ambitious for me on an off day. It's like some coaches and even some players do that. They'll travel on the road, and then they'll play like 18 holes mm. at 8 in the morning and then have a night game that night with their other job responsibilities. They must be exhausted at the end of the game, but uh, that's just my take. It was always refreshing for me. I used to take it too serious when I was a kid. So as I've gotten older, it's kind of time away from everything where for four hours you don't think about your job right. or stress or that stuff so i always used it as, as a getaway and uh of course tim your job's always fun but it's extra fun when the team is winning they've won seven of nine three straight now playing good baseball what have you seen the last couple of weeks yeah yeah they had a great home stand against oklahoma city the team they're chasing in the standings and it was amazing adam uh what they did to the deficit in the division the Chihuahuas, in a six-day span, brought it from being behind by six games to being behind by one game. And it just so happened that El Paso's winning ways came at a time where Oklahoma City was losing some games. So, yeah, then uh, and Sugarland went there, won four out of six. And I think what's happening is even though there's been a lot of roster moves, other players are stepping in and hitting well. Mm. Uh, for example, today, Esteu Ruiz, the Chihuahuas' leadoff hitter, has been called up by the San Diego Padres. He's playing in his first major league game tonight for the Padres at Colorado. Uh, Brent Rooker, though, is sent back down, and Brent has hit great for the Chihuahuas. C.J. Hinojosa, somebody that wasn't playing every single game for a while when C.J. Abrams and Matthew Batten were here, but those two guys are in the majors now. Hinojosa's playing every day, and he's hitting better. Uh, Luis Liberato hitting better. So I think that's what's happening is that just like every AAA team, some key players are going to the majors but others are picking up the slack. Lastly, Tim, Robinson Cano was the talk of the town for a while. He was acquired by the Braves on Sunday. What was it like having him for 21 games in El Paso for you? It was great. It was, I think he played better and was nicer than I even would have thought. Mm. Um, you know, at first, when he came to the Chihuahuas, he wasn't hitting well. He looked a little bit slower. There was some weaker contact. And I thought, okay, this might be like when Ryan Howard played for Albuquerque in 2017 mm -hmm. or way back in 2012 when Vladimir Guerrero played for Las Vegas where they're sort of a shadow of themselves. That is not true with Cano. After that first week, something happened. He was hitting the ball harder, hitting it higher, hitting home runs. Uh, and I began to think and speak to the El Paso coaches that I wouldn't be surprised if this guy ends up being the DH of, I don't know, the Reds or the Pirates <laughs> sometime soon. And it turns out the Atlanta Braves are the one that expressed interest um, I know we're winding down, but sort of the backstory on that was Robinson had an agreement with the Padres where if any team wanted to acquire him, the Padres essentially had first right of refusal right. to call him up or trade him. Uh, and so he was traded. You know, there were some tweets that he was traded for $1. <laughs> that, that wasn't, you know, like a joke about Cano. What they're doing is that's a gesture to Cano. We're going to trade you for $1 because you're getting this major league opportunity that we don't have for you. Mm -hmm. Chihuahuas start up a six-game homestand tonight at Southwest University Park. First pitch at 6.35 against Rounder Rock. Tim, appreciate the time. Have a good call tonight. Thanks, Adam. All right, that's Tim Haggerty. He'll have the call 6.35 first pitch. Pre-game in moments here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Big thanks to the entire crew for Angel Munoz and Jason Craig producing. This is Adam Young filling in for Steve Kaplowitz, who is back with you tomorrow. 
saying so long from 600 ESPN El Paso. El Paso Chihuahuas baseball comes your way next on 600 ESPN El Paso.